Welcome to TSF Life, a podcast ministry of the Shepherd's Fellowship Church in Marion, Ohio. TSF Life is designed to bring you biblical teaching in a relational way that's easy to apply to your life. Let's join Pastor Tom Hypes as we dive into today's teaching. So listen, let's get back into our, uh, our study. I don't know for certain this is the last week of the study or not, but it uh, could be. Uh, so I'm going to do a kind of a recap type thing, kind of bring it together type thing, and then we'll see what the Spirit does as the week goes on. But if you've been around, again, with the life of Jesus, been in the life of Jesus now for 15, 16 months, uh, and specifically in this month we're looking at very practical ways that we can experience the kingdom of God living now, that the kingdom of God is not just heaven someday. The kingdom of God, when it comes to its message, is not just that you can get saved and not go to go to hell by saying a prayer. It's, it's a lifestyle. It's something that God has called us to. And so we started our first study three weeks ago really digging into kind of an imagination of what does that look like. Uh, but we did come up with a working uh, kind of definition, at least a little bit of a gauge, even though I don't want to try to limit it down too much. And so I'll give that to you again with uh, Chris's help here. We're going to put up, boom, first quote. Here it comes, here it comes. There it is. The kingdom of God is freedom from oppression. It is healing. It's wholeness. It's hope. It's peace. It's joy. And if with that working definition, the one thing it gives us is if we're wondering, are we living the life that God has for us? This says, is there any area in your life that feels oppressed? Is there any area in your life that has bondage? Is there any area in your life that does not feel free? Then, no, in that area, you're not getting the fullness of what God wants for you. He wants the kingdom of God living for you now. So it doesn't give us reasons to feel guilty. It gives us reasons uh, to explore. It gives us reasons to dream. It gives us reasons to pray. It gives us reasons to grow into new freedom in those areas. And then we start looking at the practicals. And I've kind of given you a quote for each one. Uh, the next one is from two weeks ago when we talked about time. We talked about our schedule. Uh, it's where it says, time is the most valuable asset in our life, even more than money. If you lose money, it can be regained. If you lost time, it's gone forever. And so we talked about our schedule. We talked about if we're always stressed out, if we're almost always late, if a lot of times we find we're not keeping our commitments. There's things that we can look at in practical ways that Jesus did that the Bible teaches for us to be able to grow, to have freedom in the area of our schedule. The next quote takes us back to last week when we talked about finances and we talked about resources. Well, Billy Graham says, if a person gets his attitude towards money straight, it will help straighten out almost every other area in his life. And I do believe that's true because finances impact so much of our life. And so we looked at how Jesus lived his finances, which he did have to deal with finances, how he lived with faithfulness, and what they, the Bible teaches us when it comes to those things as well. Uh, today we're going to look at another, another area. We're going to talk about Christian community. Um, I'm going to hold off on the quote for now, but just Christian community. Uh, I think it's a huge area of kingdom living, and it's a huge area that impacts us on a daily basis, especially, I think, today. Um, I'm 54. Yes, 54. And uh, 50, 50, uh, 55 in July. But uh, I wish, and, and, and again, my younger self would never get it. But sometimes I wish I can just kind of impose on someone in their 20s, like, my worldview or, like, how, what I've seen or what I've experienced. Uh, and I'm young. You know, we've, we are blessed with people in our, 
our Christian community though in the 70s, 80s, 90s uh, that are not old, just mature. Uh, I wonder at times they wish they could just take their real perspective and, and gift it to us for a few moments because so much has changed in that limited time. Like I, I think if we, we take somebody uh, that's, that's in their 80s and put them in a time machine when they were 20, so would that be 60 years ago? Only like 1950 or something, right? 1960. Put them in a time machine and they zapped them to today and they missed 60 years of quote-unquote progress, their heads would explode. Like, how would you even explain what you're seeing when it comes to technology, when it comes to politics, when it comes to how people deal with one another, when it comes to morality, when it comes to language or how people live their lives? It's, it's a massive, massive difference in a very short amount of time. It's amazing to me that John could write Revelation. John got zapped in the future by a couple thousand years and is trying to explain what he's seen. No wonder there's so much imagery in Revelation, so much symbolic act within it, right? So much has changed. I know when I was growing up, again, I could do the old, you know, walking to school through 16 miles of snow, whatever type thing. But it wasn't. It was like 14. And, uh, <laughs> but it was different. We did keep our windows open at night. We did have our doors unlocked. We did trust one another. It was a different, it was Mayberry in many ways. Now, in many ways, Mayberry was never really true. But in many ways, when it came to community, when it came to how we look at each other, how we treated one another, how we were in community, it, it was much more Mayberry than today. Much more Mayberry than, than today. I remember several years ago, um, I was talking about community here, and was talking about the difference between front porches and privacy fences. Uh, that when, when I was a kid, I mean, like, you watch maybe they're all on the front porch with the guitar, and they're all sitting there talking, and what have you been up to today, and all that kind of community stuff. And it, it actually made me feel convicted. We had a house in the middle of water until about nine years ago, eight years ago, um, where we had, like, just, you know, the, the cement block uh, porch. And we purposely, out of a conviction from God, made a covered porch on the front of our house. And we got to know our neighbors so much better just walking up and down the street. Don, I don't know if Don and I would know each other if it wasn't for the cover porch. You probably just thought it was that joke that came in and gave you crap when I got gas at the Duke. Yeah. But, the, <laughs> but it made a huge difference. Now, don't give me too much credit because then we moved and we only have one neighbor now. We're up in the middle of nowhere. But at the time, it was an experiment and it was a great change. Now, if I go by the same house, it's all privacy fences. All privacy fences. Because we want to be able to have our loneliness. We want to be able to... But that's not what we're created for. We're created... For, for so much more. And I think one of the biggest downsides that we've seen in modern age when it comes to community is that we, be, <clears throat> I don't know if we would say this, but I believe a lot of us believe that we get our community by finding someone to marry. I, I, I think um, a, a lot of times when I talk, talk to people who are struggling with singleness, not always, and again, it's not bad to get married, um, but a lot of times we're looking for our, our second half, our fullness. And uh, I was so happy when it happens, and it's, it's a, a great celebration. But then a few years later, I'm almost always talking to him on the couch that he doesn't understand this. She doesn't fulfill my need here. He doesn't do this. But the reason why is no one person is supposed to fulfill you. That, that's never been part of the plan. If you think if I get married, finally everything will fall into place, you're way wrong. You're way wrong. And then I'm talking to people all the time that they're struggling and it doesn't seem fixed. So we're going to fix it how? We'll have a baby. The baby will fix everything. That is so unfair to your baby. And you're wrong. 
It's not the way things work. We're not made to be filled by one person or two people. Jesus had anywhere from two to thousands of disciples at any given time. Really went like two thousands to about 140 at the end. Now, a lot of those people are taking from him, but within that he had 12 that he was close to. You ever think about that? He had 12 different personalities, different backgrounds, different cultures investing into his life at all times. Even within that 12, he had the three closest ones, Peter, James, and John, that he would take for more intimate moments, more challenging moments, more stressful things that he's going to further along the lines. He had his mother. He had, well, his fa- I say he had his family, but his family wasn't necessarily the biggest support system at times. But um, he had his friends, Mary, Martha, and uh, Lazarus. We just talked about them a couple of weeks ago. They were disciples, but that's also where he went where he just wanted to relax and recline and be able to have a meal and be able to laugh with friends. We need community because we're made for community. And the world is trying to take away from that. And if we let it, then kingdom living is no longer an option. Does that make sense? So with that, I'm going to be boring for a little while. And then, uh, and then I want to get to our response time as well. But I do want to give you some practical stuff on this. So our note takers as we dig into it. So we do have a quote for this week to kind of start us out. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, there we go, from his book Life Together. Christianity means community through Jesus and in Jesus. Uh, If you've not looked up Dietrich Bonhoeffer before, at the very least, do his Wikipedia page later today. He's just a very interesting, interesting testimony. Uh, A martyr for the faith. Uh, Some people might find that to be a controversial statement, uh, but he... um, made a stand, and he lived for his Christian walk in the time of Hitler, and uh, lost his life for that uh, during the Holocaust seasons. And I kind of want you to keep that in mind as we talk about some of the things he taught us. But he wrote a book before that hit of talking about what Christian community looks like. It's in Jesus, which means if you want real community that is the community that's kingdom of God living, it comes through Jesus Christ. You can have friends, you can have community without Jesus. But the true community brings kingdom God living comes through Jesus Christ. So you must first have a relationship with him. You must first take and accept him as leader and forgiver in your life by acknowledging with your mouth he's the son of God, believing in your heart he died and rose again, and saying, you're God, I'm not, and following him. Then we are adopted into the family, and we should act like we're part of a family. We should find our community there. We should find that, that resources and support there. Uh, it's a common way of life. It's a formation of believers leading maturity, morality, and value. It's communion with God in prayer together. You can't do that by yourself. It's communion with God in praise. It's communion with God through worship together. It's a good spiritual gift to our neighbors. It's a gift that you give to somebody else. It's not just something for you. And it's also evangelistic in nature. If I'm just going to play golf with a guy that I network with for my business that happened to have said the prayer when he was a little kid, those things don't happen the same way as they do within local body church. So with that, I'm going to give you some bullet points since I said I was going to be boring. These come from ChristianityMatters.com. And I cracked Melissa and I earlier because she was asking me, uh, what was it, Christianity.com, what you said? Like, are you okay with that site? Um, I, I forget what snotty thing I said. It was something. Judge of a witness or something Hindu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm okay with Christianity. But ChristianMaz.com is not a bad one either. But we'll give you, give you some points. First one being this. Being a part of Christian community is important because it's vital for Christian growth. For our note takers. We need other Christians to teach us 
encourage us, pray with us, and to stand with us. Being part of a Christian community is important because it's vital for Christian growth. Now, all four of these are almost identical except for the, the, the stuff that we put in italics at the end. So it'll make it a little faster for our note takers as we go. So I'm going to give you the second one. Being a part of a Christian community is important because it's vital for our well-being. Being a part of a Christian community means that when we fall on hard times, we have some place to turn. Has anybody ever had that within your Christian walk? When things fall apart at work or in your family or within your life or that you messed up yourself or somebody else has done to you, Christian community is where we fall. Third, being a part of a Christian community is important because it's vital for our mission. We are called to the Great Commission. It is the reason that we are here first and foremost. We are called to lead people to the Lord together, to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit together, to teach each other, to obey everything He's commanded of us so that we can have kingdom of God living together. It's something that we do in order to effectively teach others we need Christian community. If me hanging out on the golf course with a buddy is not doing these things, then maybe it's not the fullness of Christian community. Lastly, being a part of Christian community is important because community is a grace. It is a grace. It is a gift God has given us. Sadly, many in the American church don't recognize it as a gift of God. I think it's because we are free to worship as we please, where we please, and with whom we please. We have taken for granted what we have. You know, if I make you mad in the next 40 seconds, you can drive for less than a minute and get to another church and stay there? You know, if they, we don't have the right programs, you can get mad and shop around and find a consumeristic church that matches what you want instead of what the Scripture teaches? We take it for granted. But think about it from the standpoint of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. In his book, Speaking on This, he says this, again, this is as Hitler is crushing down and the Holocaust is beginning. He says, it's true, of course, that what is an unspeakable gift of God for the lonely individual is easily disregarded and trodden underfoot by those who have the gift every day. It is easily forgotten that the fellowship of Christian brethren is a gift of grace, a gift of the kingdom of God that any day may be taken from us. Therefore, let him who until now has had the privilege of living a common Christian life with other Christians praise God's grace from the bottom of his heart. Let him thank God on his knees and declare, it is grace, nothing but grace, that we are allowed to live in community with Christian brethren. Hear the words of one who gave his life for it. And we get comfortable watching podcasts. It is taught and modeled in the Bible. The Bible original word for uh, church is ecclesia. I did not put it on the screen, so I'll spell it for you. E-K-K-L-E-S-I-A. Ecclesia. Greek for called out, assembly, or for gathering. This word takes on a new meaning of all Christians in some contexts and of local gatherings of believers in other places. When a person trusts in Jesus for salvation, he or she becomes part of the universal body of Christ. Smaller groups of believers come together in local churches to worship God. 
to grow in their understanding of God's word and to live out the uh, universal part of what God has for us in community. Acts 2 reveals that the origin of original Christian community was known primarily for its devotion to the apostles' teachings, to fellowship, to prayer, and to loving one another. Jesus himself had promoted this sense of community by saying in John 13, by this everyone will know that you are mine. By this everyone will know that you love each other. A Christian community is marked by the way people treat one another, and the local church should strive to model Christ-like attitudes. The Bible instructs believers on how to be a Christian community. I'm going to put a list up here for you. And we're going to go through it. Each scripture, again, if you've got new version up and running, uh, all the scriptures are there. If not, feel free to jot them down or ask me for them later. But I'm going to go through the list of what the scripture says Christian community looks like. And I'll read each scripture as we go. First one is that we love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected within us. Second one, believers are called to encourage one another. Hebrews says, exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Spur one another on to love and to good works is what we do within the Christian community. Let us consider how to stir each other up to love and good works. Serve one another. Galatians 5.13 for you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love to serve one another. Instruct one another. Romans shows us that I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and you are able to instruct one another. Honor one another. Romans 12:10. Love one another with brotherly and sisterly affection. Outdo one another. Outdo one another and show an honor. Be patient with one another and forgive one another. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. In Galatians, it takes and tells us to bear with one another's burdens. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And finally, speak the truth to one another, Ephesians 4.25. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. The local church is the place where the Christian community can put all these callings into place. Have you ever heard this as the definition of the church? Simply put, the Christian community is composed of those who love Jesus and fellowship with each other. When the world sees the church in action, they should see the true love of Jesus and perhaps find themselves attracted to Christ too. Sadly, it's sometimes hard to find good examples within the modern church and Christian community to match up to what the Bible teaches. That's why we strive for it. That's why we keep going for it. That's why we communicate in love through it. It's why we commit ourselves to it. If you have a good reputation as a Christian, good, that's good. If you, if you have a great Sunday morning attendance record, great. If you go to a home group, awesome. If you read the Bible daily, better than most. Better than most. Even if it's a devotional, better than most. But cultural Christianity and kingdom living are two different things. And God wants more for us. Through us. 
and for the world to be able to see. However, this study is about seeing what Jesus did. This study is about seeing what he taught. So let's get our Bibles out, and we're going to go to John chapter 13. John chapter 13, and go through somewhat of a more common scripture uh, that maybe we haven't looked at quite from this perspective before. When we get to the last night of Jesus' life before his arrest, before his death, at the Last Supper. And in this time, we know that they're getting ready to celebrate the Passover, and Jesus does something that's unique uh, in his behavior, unique in his teaching, is also unique within the Gospels. John is the only one that, that takes and gives us the full details of this experience, even though another Gospel does hint to it. Starting on verse 1, it says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own, who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing all that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose up from supper. He took aside and laid his outer garments. He picked up a towel. He tied it around his waist. Then he pulled water into a basin and began to wash the feet of the disciples and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. When he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You should never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet then, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not every one of you, for he knew who was to betray him. That is why he said, Not all of you are clean. When he washed their feet and put on the outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash up one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do, just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I am not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen. But the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I am telling you this now before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. Chris, can we put that list back up? Is there anything that you don't see in what the Master does here? Is there anything on the list? He washed the feet of Judas. Peter tried to fight Jesus on it and lost. He taught us to do the same. I do believe we are called to this level of community. 
verse 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. We have an invitation to Christian community at a much, much higher level. This is not a, hey, try to come to church every Sunday instead of twice a month, which is the national average. This is not, don't be an Easter or Christmas person. This is, I want more. I am called to more. Think of every reason you have ever said or thought or heard on why people don't want to be involved in Christian community. I've heard them all. I've said many of them. (coughs) How do they compare to this? They're not even shadowed because Christ has so much more for us. So, to me, what I want to spend our time on, beyond bullet points and beyond reading scripture, is to share with one another the way that Christ has called us to share. So the rest of our time together, for the most part, is going to be one of two things. One is going to be foot washing. I'm going to be set up over here. And this one's going to be open in case anybody wants to do it with somebody else and I'm not involved. Take me a couple seconds to set up. It's not a problem. And I want you to think from a standpoint of what does that foot washing mean according to what Christ just shared with us here. Maybe I'm to wash your feet because I've hurt you somewhere along the line. Maybe I'm to wash your feet just simply because I'm a representative of pastors and you've been hurt by a pastor before. Maybe it's because of a church hurt. Maybe it's because you need that moment with Jesus and I am not Jesus, but we represent Christ to one another, y'all. And I don't mind being Jesus in that moment. It really has nothing to do with me. The same is true over here with somebody else. They can be the long-lost relative that has passed away years ago that hurt you when you were a child and you were never able to make it right. They could be the person that will not speak to you because they have never gotten to the place of forgiveness, but your Lord wants to minister to it. We can do that for one another. And I know that foot washing is freaking uncomfortable for a lot of people. We get hung up on whether or not my feet stink. And you know what? Isn't that the point? (coughs) Or what if everybody in the room did it and the whole room stunk? It does stink from a sin perspective. Isn't that the point? And I know many people, and I've struggled with this particular area of things for many years. It's almost amazing to wash somebody's feet or to have your feet washed. But you know, humility is just the reluctant side of humbling yourself before the Lord. It's a very thin line. I remember the first time I was ever foot washing. I was the pastor at the camp, and I was uncomfortable. And I saw a sister and brother I know well who terrorized each other as teenagers. And the brother go and remove his sister's shoe and socks and washed her feet. And I thought it was beautiful. 
and yet I was missing out because of my own shortcomings. Don't be that person. I understand being Peter. And we really want to say, well, Jesus understands, so he'll be patient with me. Jesus says, I understand. I'm patient. Peter, take off your sandals. I'm going to kick your butt. Hum- humiliation is just the reluctant side of humbleness. That'd be one side, and you can move as you want. The other side is I'm about to move this and put that. And I know we did testimonies not too long ago, but I want testimonies. And I don't want testimonies because it's Thanksgiving. What I want is for you to imagine somebody's on the other side of the camera who says, church is crap. Church has hurt me. Pastors have hurt me. Christians have hurt me. And you share your story of what Christian community through the local body church has meant to you so that they have a reason to hold on to hope that maybe they can fit in or maybe there is a spot for them or maybe this isn't just made up. And just move as the Spirit leads. Jesus, have your way here. For anybody else out there who is a single person and Christian, and when it's hard to walk in and come into church and be like, oh, I'm alone, and like, there's nobody here with me and stuff. Um, This church has never looked at me different. It's always accepted me, has been loving, a bit of family, um, and people I can talk to um, about my struggles and people don't look at me different or weird. Um, For example, um, Mike gave the worship band, you know, time off and just did a solo set. And um, the week before, when I came to practice, um, I'm still struggling with a lot of changes in my life at work and trying to follow God's lead and making sure it's God's lead, not my lead, which I'm always super paranoid about um, because I just, I want to do what he wants me to do, not what I want. Um, And I had talked to everybody in the band about it and my paranoia and my anxiousness and stuff. And again, they didn't look at me different. You know, they said, I'll be praying for you and stuff. So Christian community can be a family. Um, this church is a family and for anybody else out there that's I can't walk into church by myself I don't want people staring at me looking at me I'll sit by you just tell me I'll sit by you um you know and I've sat by other people and you know become rows with people and people come over and give hugs and stuff you know so um don't let that stop you from walking into church I know how hard and for somebody that struggles with anxiety how hard that can be but um I remember I used to sit back there in the corner when I first came and course pastor tom came right over and other people came right over and now i sit here in the second row um you know so this don't let that stop you please it's you're missing out on so much and there's so many people that will love on you um because we are a family here So the silence is uncomfortable. Um, so I am a, no, I don't know what you want to call me, somebody who went to church as 
as a child. My grandfather was a Baptist minister, um, was baptized because that's what grandpa wanted. Um, and then I just went off and did life, made a lot of mistakes. Um, and I came back here because we had the, uh, the um, I can't even think of what it's called right now, mental health series, thank you. We had the mental health series and that's where we started. Um, and I'm so thankful, thankful for this church, thankful for the friends that I've gotten um, through it. I've met the youth whom I love. Um, we've talked about on Wednesday nights, sometimes I just don't want to come. I've had a long day at work and I'm just like, I can't, I can't do this. And then when I do come, I leave feeling just fulfilled. I'm so thankful for it. There have been Friday nights that I've spent with um, friends from church, um, Saturdays that I've spent at weddings with people from church. Um, you guys have been with Jeremiah and I through a lot of crap. Um, and I'm just, I'm thankful for all of you. Um, and I'm just, I love the fact that I laugh because we've got hugs up here on the mantle and the cross in front of it says thugs. Like we, we welcome thugs at this church. Um, and it's so true. Like we are just a, this is just a wonderful place to be. And I'm very thankful for it. So thank you. Even though I seem probably well-established at the church, I once was a new person coming to a church, you know, from another place and um, really believing that there was a calling on my life, which many people out there have callings on their lives. And um, I know when I came here, I was welcomed with, you know, respect and with uh, respect of a vision on my life and and although you know we all know things don't move fast when you try to vet out things but during whenever the vetting out period of you know whether the calling was real and whether the quote unquote cream of the crop you know rises to the top whatever you want to say when it comes to seeing if that is truly on your life it was all done patiently and and very kind and um, I, I loved the, the friends that I made in the process and, you know, the, the people that's moved on, and I still love all of them. Just to come to a place where, you know, you may have a calling on your life or you may feel Jesus calling you, feel, feel Jesus tugging at your heart to make that move, to be the Christian, to not be the Christian that only listens to it on the radio that's a that's a closet Christian, you know. This is a place where you can come and have community. I spent a little bit of time uh, when I first became a Christian just delivering pizzas and just afraid to share my faith and just afraid because it's not easy. People make it sound like it's just something easy, but it's not. It's not easy being a Christian whatsoever. And um, here we worship, you know, Jesus. We worship God. We sing our brains out to him. And this is a place you can come and be in confident and confident on what that tug is at your heart. And you can come and foster it here.
short. Um, I just, I just feel like I needed to say that I don't know how people without a church family get through life when life knocks you down. <laughs> um, as most of you know, I've gone through a lot of changes in the last year. Um, there are days where it would be really easy for me to just kind of hide away and many, many days when I felt like hiding away. And <clears throat> somehow someone here always knows that that's when I need them. The number of people who have called me or reached out to me or helped me with my move or just been willing to listen or just been willing to wrap their arms around me when I need a hug. There have been a lot of changes but one thing that I know I can count on is this family. And I'm not really good at asking for help and no one here has ever waited for me to ask, if that makes sense. Um, the help and the love has always been there whether I've asked for it or not. So. I love you guys. <laughs> when I was younger, I uh, led quite a different life than I do now. I uh, smoked, I drank, bar hopping, stealing, lying, just I was not a good person. I hear people ask me a lot, you know, what are you doing? Why are you going to church? You know, you're not perfect. What do you think you're doing there? And I tell them, you don't have to be perfect to be a Christian. Nobody's perfect. They're like, but all the things you did in the past, you know, how can you even expect you know, anybody to understand. You know, how do you expect anybody to believe that all the stuff you love God and that you have faith in God and that, you know, I tell them, I said, it's, you just got to do it. You just got to, got to release. You just got to put your faith in God. I'd say it was probably 10 years ago. I uh, was sitting here and I heard the song, God, I Need You Now. And I got up and I knelt down up front and I just asked God to please forgive me for, for everything I've ever did and to just come into my life and I felt this heavy release and all of a sudden I just, I just knew that my life was going to be different from that point on I knew that I had God to count on I knew that 
anything and everything I've ever did was forgiven. And my friends do notice that now. The ones that are my true friends that understand what I'm doing and they believe in God and they believe that I am a different person. It's, my life is just so much better now. And I have God and all of you to thank for that. I know God's there for me, and I know my, my church family's there for me. So Ginger and I are just going to switch places here in a minute. Um, but there were two things that, um, two moments where I expected, um, I expected this church to, um, to break and not be the strong unit that they were in my life. Um, coming back from Thailand and being very hurt by, very hurt by church kind of hurt by um, the process and I don't I don't share a lot of it because I don't think it's for everyone to know or hear I, I think that it's just watching the Lord be faithful um, and I was so shocked to come back and be welcomed and loved so well and um, to be patient with me where I knew that I love the Lord and I wanted to serve him with all my heart, everything I have, but I just wasn't, I needed to be loved for a while, and I was so thankful for that period of time, and the second was when I got divorced, two weeks after starting in ministry here, so mind you, starting ministry and two weeks later, communicating your marriage is over, and um, the youth kids were actually the ones that showed me the beauty of church and family. Because when Pastor Tom shared with them that my marriage was over, they asked, how can we love her? And how can we pray for her? Instantly. Um, and I didn't, I didn't expect that from them. I expected a lot of questions and awkwardness, and I kind of expected include, and the email that went out to the entire church to communicate that this was happening. is a very uncomfortable place to be, and um, I expected a lot of people to look at me kind of odd or differently or ask why, ask why I was still in ministry or ask why I stuck around for the awkwardness. Um, and for the, for the youth to ask, um, how can we love her and how can we pray? And to come find me, I was, I was downstairs in the, in the staff office while Pastor Tom told them upstairs. I kind of left to give them their space and they came and 
found me and, and put hands on me and surrounded me and prayed for me as I sobbed. And it was a beautiful, beautiful example of what church should be in the moments that are very, very hard and very uncomfortable and where you feel very, very broken even in, a, in the midst of being in a leadership position, feeling very broken and inadequate, and, and like people should say, you should probably sit down for a while. You should probably go to the side. So I was very, very thankful um, for those examples of, of a church um, loving and continuing the Lord's testimony in my life. And... Um, and it easily, easily could have been a moment where I saw God not being faithful. And instead, it was the exact opposite times a million. So, yeah. I'm back. been sitting over there um, halfway trying to pay attention and halfway trying to plan this out in my head because I'm not very good at talking and uh, putting thoughts to words sometimes um, I, uh, some of you don't know me very well um, some of you do but uh I was a pretty, I mean, I was, I, I was, I've been part of this church for a while, um, off and on, and, uh, you know, I was in, I, I, I was, I, I've done, I've, I've been in some, some, some servant roles here as well, and, uh, and, and again, forgive me, because this might not make any sense, because I'm just very jumbled right now, but, um, when it comes to, uh, a, a loving, forgiving church family, this is it, um, I've, uh, I've done, uh, you know, I've, most, most other, excuse me, most other churches I feel would, um, would be very different with me than, uh, than this one is, than, than, than Tom is, and, and everybody here, uh, Thank you, Jenny. 
I mean, I, I apologize. I just, uh, just the amount, the, the amount of just the lies and then, you know, I've lied. I've, I've been manipulated. Um, to to people here and um and I, I know they I know they forgive me and you know the Lord forgives me and and uh, all I'm trying to say is is this is the most loving, caring forgiving group of people I've ever come across and <laughs> and uh and yeah that's it I came to this church in this state I was in living in Chicago Illinois and I went to two branches of the same church the main branch kind of hurt my family and me not either not knowingly or unwittingly 
but it caused my son to stop going to church because he felt like all the churches were, be, were being hypocritical and not wanting to try a new church. But on the other hand, I went my I had stopped going too, and my daughter Beverly found another church called Jeremas Church, and then she took her her sister with her, and then they on October second they asked me to go. And that's when it turned into New Life Bridgeport, which was a satellite church from the main church. And those people were very nice to me and nice to my daughters, but I still couldn't get my son to try it. And then I moved here and I thought I was, I thought I was going to be alone. Of course, my brother was with me because our sister said, try pastor Tom's church but I felt welcome the minute I stepped in I felt like I had come home all over again and this family church has been very nice and caring and always with the love and the hugs which I craved a lot because apparently that's my love angle or whatever they call that because I liked hugs and I love all you people very much. And thanks for being my church family. I went to the same church since I was a little girl. And I went every Sunday with my grandpa. I knew maybe 20 people in the entire congregation. I came here and everybody showed love. And I've grown to love every last one of you. This church, we went to the bonfire last year for the fall festival and I turned around to Pastor Tom next Sunday and I said, this is family. The church is a family. It's not just a place we go on a Sunday. We all care about each other at the end of the day. kingdom of God, it's like a field. It's open, it's vast. All this is true. Sky's clear and magnificent, even on a 
foggier day. I think in a lot of ways, being in Ohio, we kind of take it for granted. The beauty that's around us. So the enemy comes in and he plants weeds. And they go up amongst the harvest. But the farmer is so patient and so loving to walk through that with us so that he does not lose a single ounce of the harvest. The world tries to steal from it, but he has given everything. So that our time, our finances, our Christian community, our worship, our prayers, our evangelism, our workplaces, every moment, every second of everything that we touch, we can still experience the kingdom of God. Kind of like a mustard seed, just a small seed. Doesn't seem like much, it doesn't come off very impressive. But yet, when you plant it, it grows this incredible tree that is strong and is rooted. And the branches and the, the, the leaves take and, and, and fill up to the point that others, that birds, can take and find protection there and find nourishment there, find shade there. And I'll seed. I'll seed. It's like um, when someone's making bread and you have the smallest amount of leaven and you add it to the bread and it expands the bread, the warmth, the taste, the smell so that all can enjoy. You don't have to feel like much. You don't have to be impressive compared to somebody else in this world. It's just the kingdom of God makes all the difference in our lives. kind of like being in a field like this and you're, you're walking along and you find this great treasure something you could never have imagined before and so real quick you kind of hide it back up real quick and you go and sell everything you have so you can buy this field before anybody else finds out about it because it's worth giving everything for and it's yours or even kind of like if, if you were a jeweler and and you, you've collected jewels your entire life and it's this constant wanting more and constant wanting something better and constant wanting something to put on display and then you find this one great pearl that just everything else becomes nothing. So you just sell it all so you can buy the one great pearl. That's the kingdom of God. When everything else just doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't have control over me. I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to hold on to past regret or anger or pain. But the, the, the kingdom of God is, is like a net that he throws out and he pulls everything to him. In other words, it impacts everything. 
And you and I get to choose whether or not for some boot or for a fish in the hands of the master fisherman. Do you understand the things that I've said? If you were blessed by today's teaching, we hope you return for our next podcast. Or better yet, stop by the Shepherd's Fellowship any Sunday morning to join us live. You can learn more about the church by calling 740-382-3500 or check us out online by going to tsflife.com. That's tsflife.com. You can also support the ministry of TSF Life by donating at our church website or sending support to the Shepherd's Fellowship, 1647 Marion, Marysville Road, Marion, Ohio, 43302. Thank you for spending your time with us today, and we look forward to seeing you soon. Be blessed.